0: But what is it what 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 else do you feel that the Christian community is missing that if they only you know took heed to this, this would make a big difference within their life.
1: So one thing that the Christian community is definitely missing, and I think I can even to an extent say a greater part of the Israelite community is also missing is tying in the written text with the oral tradition. It's so very important to understand that before something is committed to writing, it's first transmitted via oral tradition. So even the book of Chronicles, we say Chronicles in English. But if we read Hebrew, you'd realize it's literally saying oral tradition. Wow. The word for Chronicles in biblical Hebrew is uh, divre yamim, which stands for ancient words or words of the days, meaning that which was recorded in the book of Chronicles stems from the oral traditions which were orally passed down, the words. That's why you find extra history in Chronicles that you don't find anywhere in the book of Kings, because oral tradition always provides more information than any literary text. This is why when we read in the Bible And if you want more information on this particular story, go into the book of Joshua. If the Bible was written with the aim and purpose of being a history book, it would not send you outside. It would not outsource you for information. Everything would be right here. You see, the Bible, while it contains history, and in fact, it contains the most accurate history upon the face of the world, its aim is to be a moral guide which uses various historical occurrences to teach about morality. We have it twisted. We think the Bible is a history book because there's so much accurate history there. And there's some truth to it because the Bible is actually used on many archaeological sites and digs for several centuries now. However, the aim of the book is not to be a history book because if that's the case, you would find dates. If that's the case, you would find far more details. So the aim of the book is to take these histories which have occurred and is to use them as a moral guide. The Bible is not something which once occurred. The Bible is not or should not be relegated simply as history, us looking back at something that once occurred. The Bible is a moral guide. So every time you look at it, it's speaking something to you today. And if we're reading it any other way, we're missing the point
0: your tours within the museums. If we don't connect the Bible to that part of the history, then we're we're, we're missing so much. Why is that important? And why do you do the
1: tours? So the museum tours for me started about three years ago. Uh, I visited museums, you know, several decades ago, but to actually conduct a tour is a different experience, a different beast entirely. And one thing I realize in the Israelite community that's lacking is our ability to marry the historical record with the biblical narratives. It's good to know the Bible, to even be able to quote it, and better yet, to actually live it. However, if you don't know how to look into the secular historical record to see where the biblical narrative is validated as being historical, we are in trouble. Because the same people who speak of the Bible as history, they tend to do a horrible job showing the historicity of it. So if I say Moses, you should automatically know what century we're talking about. If I say the Exodus, and I'm speaking to someone who is a scholar or student of the Bible, you should be able to tell me the date of the Exodus. These things have to be known if we're going to speak about the Bible as history. I mean, if you just regard it as a religious or spiritual text, void of history, then sure, do as you please. But the moment you say it's history, there's things that go along with validating it as history. So the museum tours began three years ago for me, where I went to the Metropolitan Museum of Art, and I first went as an observer. I joined tours, and I observed what's going on. And I'm the person that I'll watch, I'll watch, I'll watch until I get it myself. So I attended several tours. I walked the length of the museum at this point, oh, well over a thousand times. I've been to the Metropolitan Museum in particular, well over a thousand times to the point where when they see me, they know me by first name. You know, um, the thing that drove me to do this is I wanted to arm our community with the ability to be tangible with the evidences which validate the biblical narrative as history. And so far, it's been amazing, brother. I have people that flew from California Mm. to be included in my museum tours here in New York City. People that literally got on a flight for four to five hours to do a museum tour which lasted two to three hours and went home. Either that same day or the next day. Now I don't know about them, but if I go to a ne- nice major city, I need to stay at least seven days. But I appreciate it. And it shows me that those people are hungry. Our people are hungry. Our people are no longer content with the status quo. You know, the the the, 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 the ill-treated information, the misinformation, the misappropriated information. Our people are hungry for right knowledge, true knowledge. Our people are hungry for truth. And if you call yourself a scholar, you are a shepherd. Let's feed the people the truth. We have a responsibility to do such.
0: Can you recall any moments of finding something in those museums or just through your studies? Because I know recently you, oh, yeah. just, you just bought the, the Mernete uh, Stile, right? You know, so you, you invested, yeah. you bought that. You put money to that. You know what I'm saying? Like, how mm. important was that?
1: So, yeah. In, in the last two years, I've been acquiring a number of artifacts, uh, artifacts that are coming from all parts of the world. You know, I have artifacts that are being sent to me directly from Ghana and Nigeria. I have artifacts that are coming uh, directly from Israel. I have artifacts that are coming directly from Babylon or Mesopotamia. And of course I've had several sent to me directly from Cairo, from Egypt. Um, This is all part of, you know, putting together those evidences that are necessary to conduct these tours. Um, one of the things that blew my mind away to see in the museum, uh, was one day about maybe four years ago, before I started doing the tours, there was a label in the museum said early Hebrews. But when I looked at the depiction of who the early Hebrews were, I immediately had to do this in a mated way. Because maybe I'm not seeing clearly. Because these men were darker than me. Mm. This is a picture that the Metropolitan Museum of Art has a painting of what's described as the early Hyksos and the early Amu Asiatics coming into ancient kemet or Egypt as slaves and as men bearing tribute. The irony of that is that is exactly how the biblical narrative describes how we entered Egypt. Joseph comes by himself as a slave. Later on, his brothers come bearing goods. So when you look at this painting, which is referred to as the Hotep II tomb scenery, this is where the painting was found. The painting was found in what's called the Beni Hassani tomb, of Khum Hotep II, who's a Nisut or a king which once reigned in Egypt um, during the uh, Middle Kingdom period. And it's during this period that you for the first time begin to see a strong pictorial representation of what the early Hebrews look like. So here we are using, you know, Exodus to say: look, when God performs a miracle. In showing and declaring to Pharaoh the power and might of the God of Moses, he says to Moses, take your hand and put it in your bosom. And then when you return, there shall be white as snow. And us as Israelites, we remind everyone throughout the world that the miracle in this act is not in white skin turning whiter. <laughs> the miracle in this act would obviously have been in dark skin turning white. That's the miracle, right? So having said that, watching this painting, I immediately said to myself, we are arguing tooth and nail with people, getting them to understand and conceive that there are several places in the Bible which can spell out for you that the original people of the Bible are dark or black. But if we go to Egypt, they got pictures of how we look. So that blew my mind away, brother, because we can argue about a text. We can argue about translations. But how are you going to argue about somebody's choice to use brown and black to depict the color of the Hebrews, especially when you know they have white paint?
0: <laughs> hey, boy, you tough with it, man.